Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Koshi here with a small favor. Each year we run a subscriber survey to help us understand our audience and what we can do to help you be a better investor. I'd love you to fill it out. You can find it at osbiz.co.survey or follow the link in the program notes. To sweeten the deal, there are some great prizes on offer, including lunch with the Osbiz experts. Thanks for doing that. Now enjoy the call. Hello, welcome back to the call as we kick off the afternoon here on Ausbiz. Great to have your company for the next 60 minutes as we analyse 10 stocks uh, by our two market experts, our panel, and uh, I throw in a stock of the day. We do it all in an hour and it's uh, a lot of fun, incredibly informative. Um, And when we talk fun, with a capital F, uh, these two lead the way. Andrew Whelan from DP Wealth Advisory in Toowoomba. Andrew, good to see you. And, and sort of his his Robin, if you like, if he's Batman. Um, Henry Jennings from Marcus today. The dynamic duo. How are you, gents? <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Koshi. I'm I'm Robin, am I? That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I Fantastic. Well, and Andrew is my Rona twin from last week as well. We didn't get it from each other, I must point out, but we've survived. And back bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. So good to see you, you two. Um, let's get stuck right into it because we've always got a lot to talk about. And uh, for stock of the day, I thought we'd take a look at Fisher & Paykel, the uh, the big uh, health manufacturing business. A warning this morning, revenue could fall as much as 14% this year laying the blame squarely at elevated freight costs and falling hospital admission rates. Um, Shares taking a bit of a hit today, down more than 6%. Um, What do our experts think of the update? Because Fisher & Paykel, one of these great sort of healthcare uh, listed companies that we seem to have here in Australia. Um, Andrew, what do you think of the update? you know, is this something to look at when it's when it's being pounded? Uh, look, the update was not flash, but equally so, you didn't have to be Captain Obvious to figure out that uh, freight costs are going to be an issue. I mean, ResMed also flagged that as well. So from that point of view, no, the market shouldn't be surprised. And I guess that's probably why the share price, albeit it's off a little bit, it's probably a bit muted. Could have been a lot more, but... Uh, Having said that, uh, look, I, I like it as a business. I mean, certainly it's got really good uh, return on equity. Its margins are sort of well over 50%. But uh, it's very hard to get a read on actually how the business is trading because, of course, being a healthcare company is severely impacted by COVID as well. So from my point of view, consensus valuations, we'll see it probably pull back somewhere between 7 and 8% on a consensus basis. So consensus before today was about 34 bucks. So you'd probably expect it to go back into the 30s. It's trading, I think, at the moment around $24. Mm. So 
Look, from, from my point of view, it's probably a watch because inevitably there'll be, a, as I said, a round of downgrades um, and you'll see some short-term weakness. But having said all that, if you sort of had your sort of three months hats on, just put a, li a little list, just keep a bit of an eye on it because it is a quality business. But in the short term, uh, it's going to be uh, under a bit of pressure, I think. So it's a hold, Koshi. Okay. Um, because, Henry, there's been a bit of a theme from... Uh, a lot of our panellists recently, when, when there's quality stocks, quality businesses that get hit um, over the last couple of weeks, um, what's been put into that, um, that category? Probably Ansel was, was put into that category by uh, a couple of uh, panellists. Wes Farm is another one. You know, just great companies sort of pounded. Do you start to nibble away and... At, at the, those sort of stocks, is this one of them, do you think? No, not right. for me, I have to say. Um, I think Why? this one's going to go lower. We're going to see some downgrades uh, coming in the cycle with this one. The, the problem, I guess, with these these guys um, is that they've got a really big competitor out there in ResMed, and it's yep. not just about freight costs. Uh, there are obviously some other issues there as well. And we're seeing the, the twin evils that we've seen, the supply chain and uh, chip shortages. I mean, a lot of their um, machines have uh, embedded technology in them with their sleep apnea treatments, and they sell a lot of masks as well. Commodity prices are going up. Everything that goes into their machines is increasing in price. So their margins are coming down. They're talking about a 25, 250 point uh, basis point fall in those margins, uh, that gross margin falling from 65%. So um, that is I guess, an issue for them. And it's not just about freight. It's about the Omicron. It's about the US. And if you go shopping for a mm. sleep apnea machine, you will find they all cost the same. Mm. Now, I don't know if it's just, just me, but it, you look at the websites and they all cost roughly the same. It's very hard to differentiate one from another. Both of these companies, ResMed and Fisher & Paykel, have had a free kick in the last year or so because the Philips machines have had issues with the foam degrading and uh, as a result that being blown into your lungs because uh, at the end of the day these just blow you know they mm. just blow air up your nose basically there's nothing particularly uh, high tech about it although they pretend there is and they dress it up as there is but at the end of the day it is just blowing nose up your nose uh, blowing air up your nose so I, I just I can't get excited about this one. I, I used to own ResMed and I sold it out at around 39 bucks. I thought it had gone too hard and too fast. And as I say, if you shop around for the sleep apnea machines, they're all pretty much the same price. 1500 bucks buys you Fisher & Paykel one, a Philips one, a ResMed one, whatever. They make a lot of their money on selling the periphery sort of instruments and the, uh, the masks and the, uh, the, the silicon, um, you know, the, the air. Um, gap between the mask and, and your face. So there's a lot of money to be made there, but you know, they're having issues in the US because of mm. uh, diagnosis, hospital admissions, Omicron, etc. I think this one has got lower to go. It has been on a slippery slide even before this was yep. uh, happened today, before this guidance. So I think this one's going to go lower. If it got to 20 bucks, then I'd start to get interested and I think it won't uh, be long before it probably gets there. So for me, it's mm. got more downside. It's a sell. Okay. Uh, not not interested in this space just at right. the moment. And so by the sound of it, you have the same view on ResMed as well. Um, well, as I say, I mean, I, I thought they, I was quite keen on ResMed at one stage because of the Philips free kick. 
and uh, I had them in one of our portfolios. They went to 39 bucks. I was really happy to switch out of ResMed, and I bought BHP at $37, having sold ResMed at 39 bucks. So that was a relatively good switch, I have to say. Yes. Uh, that has gone, we'll gone quite well. Now that you're bragging. All right, uh, Andrew. Well, <laughs> I'm going cut him off. Yeah, yeah, off. yeah. No, I, I heard you. Cut me off. I, I heard cut you. Me off. All right. Um, let's take a look at our first stock, uh, Henry. The Davina wants us to look at Novanix, the big uh, battery materials company. Got a lot of cash on the balance sheet. Uh, it's in a in a sexy area. What do you think of Novanix? It is in a sexy area, isn't it, Koshi? I have to say. Uh, hi, Davina. Thanks for the question. It is in a sexy area. They've got a, a sexy partner as well. Philips 66 have uh, signed up to advance their lithium-ion batteries in North America. And I think there's one thing that uh, the Ukraine-Russia tragedy, uh, the war they're going on, has sort of um, brought home to roost, even more so, I guess, than COVID, uh, was the security of supply, the security of having... Uh, critical metals, critical materials, things that are going into the future products like EVs close to home. And this one in the US is close to home. It has got a couple of big shareholders. Philips 66 is a big shareholder with around 16%. And uh, Philips and Baker is also a big shareholder at 13%. And so I kind of like this one. It had, it topped out at around 12 bucks and here we are at half that price. Uh, a lot of other lithium and battery stocks have been doing okay, to say the least, and are pu mm. pushing up from their lows. So I'm not really sure why this one has been left behind. As you say, they've got a, a fair amount of cash there uh, yeah. on the books, around 260 million bucks in cash at the end of June. So that that's not a bad, uh, that was the end of December rather, um, but um, that that's a pretty big stash of money. Mm. I think they've probably been overdone on the downside i'd be a buyer here i have to okay. say uh, maybe maybe not an aggressive one but i think you know given the, the backdrop at the moment we're seeing with oil prices hastening the move to electric vehicles albeit constrained by silicon chips etc um as uh, elon musk pointed out yesterday when he cut the ribbon and did the dad dance okay. at uh, in berlin i yep. think uh, i think this one's got upside potential we could probably see it back to eight bucks okay uh, andrew Oh, look, let's give the investment committee something to think about. Let's make this a buy. Tony Lynch is up on that. Oi, beauty. Who could help us there, I wonder? I wonder. Uh, no, look, I, I like this one for all the reasons that, uh, that Henry pointed out. Uh, in, you, you touched on uh, Phillips and Baker. Uh, when we, we covered this one back, you might remember, Koshi, back in September 2020. And uh, at that stage, the share price was about a dollar twenty, and I think from memory, I said it was a buy, not because I knew it was going to ten bucks or even four bucks, but because of that St Baker connection. You know, he uh, he did an incredible job with ERM Power and turned that a ten million dollar company into a two billion dollar company, and has pretty much had that Midas touch again. Um, no, but Novanex is now a two point eight billion dollar company even with that pullback in the share price. So, uh, and I might add, um, it's got nothing to do with this company, but uh, he runs a foundation, which is a, um, a supporter of the Empire Theatre. He sends kids yeah. to the theatre. I think that in itself oh, sort of speaks nice. to the character of the guy. So yeah. I'm a big, as you know, I'm a big backer of management and uh, shareholders. And 
that to me is a big green light, not because of my personal connection, but just speaks to the caliber of the guy. So all the reasons that Henry spoke about, let's get on it. Let's, get, let's start okay. with the bank. All right. And in the uh, boasting stakes, you're 15 all now. Uh, picked it at $1.20. Don't think that slipped through to the keeper at all. Um, our second stock, Richard wants a, wants a view, Andrew, on ASX. Richard says, I own Sydney Futures Exchange shares. Gee, that's a blast from the past, isn't it? Converted to ASX shares back in 2006. Did very well for the first three or four years. Haven't done much since, though. Uh, could the experts review it and uh, on the call? So uh, what do you think, Andrew? We've been through a boom you. share market. Yeah, hat tip to you, Richard. You've, you're obviously a seasoned uh, market uh, participant, so well done to you for getting those shares, and you probably got them for about four or five bucks, I would suggest. So, uh, you know, here we are at uh, in the 80s. You've done incredibly well, but to your point, Richard's point, that uh, they haven't really done a lot, and uh, it, it, it's going to be a hold, Koshy. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll sort of speed it up a little bit, but... There's a few issues that I had with ASX. Like the benefits is that it is a monopoly or close to uh, to being a monopoly operator. However, you have ChiX nibbling away there, um, getting significant market share. And of course, ChiX recently bought by the Chicago Board of Exchange, the CBOE, and they're throwing significant money and you can bet they're going to be a much stronger competitor against ASX going forward. Uh, interesting piece today in the Financial Review about how the chess replacement program is going. And with due respect to ASX, uh, those of us who sort of experience outages in 2020, et cetera, there's some real concern as to how that changeover from chess to blockchain or open ledger is going to go. Um, the benefit potentially is that there could be some form of takeover come along, um, remembering, of course, though, that it was knocked back previously when the Singapore Stock Exchange uh, wanted to go on the basis of national security issues, and that was sort of before the world is where it is today. So I, I can think of more reasons not to be there, but given its dominant position, it pays an OK dividend. It's a hold, but it's certainly okay. not a bulk. Henry? Um, it's kind of funny when uh, Andrew was talking about Chayek, so I just realised that two old mates of mine are, one is the chairman of the ASX and one is the chairman of Chayek. <laughs> so... And here Sweet. I am doing TV Sweet with you, Koshi. <laughs> <laughs> so, who's the smart one now? Um, the um, ASX, I, I guess it's, you know, Andrew's nailed it. The, the problem that it's got is this technology upgrade, if you like, the, the blockchain embrace. And there was much made of the blockchain embrace. I think the CEO, Dominic Stevens, recently pulled the plug uh, on uh, being the CEO of the ASX. I'm not sure if they've actually got a replacement yet. Uh, Damien Roach is the chairman, an old mate of mine who used to I used to work with at Macquarie many years ago. It's, for me, it's a hold. I can't see a catalyst for this. What's going to change the landscape? We've just gone through possibly the best climate for capital raisings, the best climate for IPOs, the best climate for the equity market in the last year or two uh, with the uh, the COVID money, the stimulus, the need for companies to shore up their balance sheets, the, the commodity boom, etc. And yet ASX really has been a bit of a underperformer. 
I can't see why you'd want to be there. The only reason I think that you'd want to be there is you're taking a punt that they're going to get blockchain and chess right. They don't have a great track record at this, I have to say. I, I, best it's a hold. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's a kind of a sideways job for me. Okay. Sorry, Damien. All right. Uh, seeing we have the ETF whisperer on the, uh, the panel today, we've got to throw in a couple. Uh, Lucas uh, wants a view, uh, um, Andrew, on the, MS, uh, the SPDR MSCI Australia Select High Dividend Yield. Uh, SYI, that's a mouthful. Uh, Lucas says, question for the ETF guru. I suppose that means you, Andrew. Um, would, would, like, would like some thoughts on this. I currently hold for the long term for consistent dividends paid quarterly. Is this the best ETF for this? Do the experts have a better consistent quarterly high dividend paying ETF in mind? Good question. Great question. Um, thanks, Lucas. Uh, look, I don't mind SYI from our friends at State Street. Um, so it's certainly a good one. You don't have a bad one, Lucas, but I guess to your point, are there other ones? There are, but we'll come to that in a moment. Come to that in a moment. So let's let, put, look under the hood for SYI. What's it doing, as the name suggests? Or um, It's selecting all the, the better dividend paying companies. So let's just sort of run through very quickly what those names are at the moment in order of holding or percentage. So BHP, 18%. 18% of the ETF is BHP. Rio, 10%. Or Teskey, 10%. And then Wesfarmers Mineral Resources and Orison. So you've got 51% of this ETF in that materials mining space. Yeah. So at the moment, because these that area is, you know, putting out a whole heap of dividends and they don't have a lot of debt and obviously they know what's going on in the world at the moment, that's probably not a bad place to be. However, if you're worried about concentration risk, if you're worried about being exposed to one particular sector, this is a classic example of what you need to be watching out for, what's under the hood. Um, it's also got consumer discretion in there. It's about 17%. It's about 9% consumer staples. So I, as I said, I quite like this one. It's uh, paid 5.9% per annum last year. So, and in fact, over the last 12 months, total return, dividend and income was about 13%. If we go out five years, it's returned, total return, about 6% per annum. And that's been predominantly income. There hasn't been a, a lot of capital growth. So if you're looking for income, this is potentially one to think about. Other ones that are on the radar, IHD from Blackshear, IHD from Blackshears, RDV from Russell. Uh, we also use VHY from Vanguard here a fair bit as well. So not a bad one. Other ones to think about, think about that concentration risk. Okay. All right. So uh, yes, but there are better ones out there. Um, Henry, what do you think? Oh, are you on mute? The ETF whisper. Oh, there we go. There he is. He's back. No, you're um, right. I'm back. Um, I have a question for Andrew, I have to say. Why is it that you pronounce Fortescue completely differently to the rest of the world? <laughs> it's a Queensland thing, you know. <laughs> is it really? Fortescue. Well, that I'm, just, I'm just strange, Yeah. you know. Whatever one, you know, I know you, you, you sort of think about my feelings and stuff. I do appreciate that, Henry. Thank you. <laughs> I, I do. I've, I've always wanted to ask you because Forteski, it always seems very strange. Uh, but Andrew is Andrew is the whisperer of ETFs. And as such as the whisperer of ETFs, 
Um, he's nailed this one. The concentration risk is always an issue with some of these ETFs, and it is easy, I guess, to get sucked into a theme and not really read the PDS, not really read what you're investing in. And I think this is the trap with ETFs. You know, there's a lot of focus from uh, some players, some platforms are, you know, you've got to buy ETFs. They're the one-stop solution. And they can be for, for a lot of people, but you still have to be careful. It's like stock picking. You are picking a bunch of stocks, whether you like it or not, whether you think you are or not, you are. And in the case of this one, as Andrew points out, you are picking a whole bunch of mining stocks. Now, the question is, would you be better off actually investing directly in the mining stocks and getting more leverage for your money? Or is this a set and forget strategy? So I guess it depends on your um, your plan, your outlook, your risk appetite. Uh, Andrew's nailed this in terms of um, what else is out there. This is not a bad one, but there's alternatives. But you are, you need to be aware of the the risk in concentration. And so many of these ETFs, you know, have this big risk in concentration. It's the same with the like the all tech index one. That's that's mm. very much computer share and and block and a couple of others. And that that's it. So you're, you know, you're, you're punting on a few stocks when you think you're punting on a whole sector. Yeah. So just yeah, yeah. just be careful of, of what you're. What, make sure you know what you're buying. Okay, so basically a hold for you if you know what you're buying. Yes, Andrew? Yeah. Sorry, just very quickly, and I, I probably should have said this with the concentration risk, it is reweighted every 90 days. So ah. that concentration risk isn't forever, but if resources are falling off a cliff because dividends are being cut and so forth, there is going to be that lag, and that's where that concentration risk becomes an issue in okay. particular. All right. Okay, um, Kit wants a view, uh, Henry, on... Uh, Kosol, uh, the tech uh, company for the mining industry, it's sort of in um, basically business processing, strategic reviews, the the whole business enterprise software for, for running mining companies. Uh, Kit says recently did a deal with De Beers, uh, the big diamond mining company. 40% revenue growth, pays a dividend that's nearly doubled in the first half, um, made an accretive uh, acquisition late last year. Very lightly traded due to a high percentage of uh, shares held by management, I believe. Um, uh, Kit thinks it's got some good hallmarks there. Uh, well, Koshi, I guess it has got some good hallmarks, and he's run through uh, a lot of the hallmarks of this one. It is uh, in the data management side of things for the mining industry. The problem I have is the problem I have with a lot of these small cap stocks is that it just doesn't trade. You know, it's a $94 million market cap. There's 2,500 shares traded today. Um, so it just makes it really hard. There's a couple of mm. big shareholders, Stephen Johnson with 17%, and uh, we've got uh, Jeff Lewis with 17%. So it's, it's kind of like a, a family business, really, that's ended up being listed and doesn't really trade. It's, it's what I would call a compliance listing. It's not to say that it's not a good business, it's just it's hard to get in and it's hard to get out of. If you wanted to, you know, if you wanted to buy fifty thousand, you'd have to pay up to sixty nine cents. And if you wanted, changed your mind and you wanted to sell them again, you'd have a long wait, uh, or you'd have to hit the hit the bid, and that would be below sixty four cents. So, right. I just hate stocks that you have no liquidity in. It just makes it really hard if you change your mind. Not to say that it's not a good business. Not to say that it's not going in the right direction. All those things. But um, realistically, if, if you can't get in and you can't get out in any kind of size, 
then it just becomes just too hard for my liking. You know, good revenue, 22.6 million EBIT, 3.6, NPAT 2.6, all the right sort of numbers, all going in the right direction. Uh, earnings per share up 35%, nothing wrong with it at all. Just liquidity. Yeah. It's just, it's, okay. it's a killer for me. If you can't get in, you can't get out. It, it makes it too hard. Yeah, and Andrew, Henry makes a good point. Is that What do they call them? Lob, lob, lobster pots? Uh, you know, you just can't, can't get out and um, it's too hard. And is that something that a lot of retail investors, private investors, ordinary investors like us, um, we don't think about? We just look at the financial numbers and say, oh, gee, it's going to be a ripping business. But it's how you exit. Yeah, and you're spot on. Oh, well, Henry's spot on, of course. I can't believe I'm saying that, but Henry is spot on. It's a lobster pot. So <laughs> certainly uh, that's something you need to be very mindful of. But to your point, Koshi, you can do all the fundamental analysis in the world and it's got great PEs and ROEs and you can love management and you know, all the things I love. But if you can't actually execute the trade, rubber hitting the road, uh, you're wasting your time. So they, they need to do something here. Because I agree, I think it's a great business. It's a Queensland company. I, I know you've given us Queensland companies and ETFs today. I don't know whether you're paying special homage to me being here, thank you. But um, I, um, I I just can't do it simply because for exactly Henry's point, I can't get set. And if I can't get set, then I can't get out. And that's a that's a real problem. So it's a it's a whole. Probably the other thing, just briefly though, they've just taken on a bucket load of debt because they're making a, a big acquisition, which again will be good for their business. But uh, I think their debt's gone from virtually nil to about ten million bucks now, and that in itself is probably a bit of a challenge too. So you've got integration risk and all that stuff. But it's the liquidity thing that's making it a whole. Okay. All right. Uh- Henry, Tanya wants a view on Nanolows, um, the biotechnology company, which is in research and development in microbial, is it? Uh, cellulose technology. Tanya says, Nib Dagan from Nanolose was on the small cap show with Nadine on February 24th. Uh, so I bought up some Nanolose. I read, uh, later read an article about this stock and thought, the company had a great product to solve a real problem. Would love the uh, the take of the panel on it. Well, this one falls into the same bracket, I guess, as the last one to some extent, being a lobster pot. It's it's a liquidity issue. Uh, it's not a very big company. It's only around a $16, $17 million company. So that makes it hard from the get-go. I've Sure, they've got fantastic products. There are many companies out there that have got fantastic products. Tree-free fibers, all this sort of thing looks fantastic. No deforestation, low use of land. It's just, you know, it, it ticks all the green boxes by, uh, by the virtue of its business and its product. But the problem is, again, is it's, it's just thin. It's very thin. It's, there's not a lot of trade there. Um, $16 million market cap, there's 17,000 shares traded today, and one of those shares was a one line of 14,500. I'm sure it's a good business, it's got good potential, and it certainly plays into the green and uh, clean theme, and they've got a number of things happening this year which could be a catalyst for re-rating, but without that liquidity, it just becomes a private company that's been listed. Uh, if you're dealing in it small as a retail investor, you can you can probably make some money out of this one. But uh, if if you're looking at uh, you know, getting set in reasonable size, it starts to get hard. The slippage, the, the the difference between the bid and the offer, 
is uh, in any kind of size is you know is, is one one cent. Let's let's right. say uh, right. from eleven to twelve. So if you're buying at twelve and selling at eleven, you're, you're knocking out you know ten fifteen percent uh, of performance. You've got to you've got to perform to uh, to make money. So not for me. Bit too small. Bit too illiquid. But not to say that it doesn't have its attractions in a good space. Some catalysts this year as well. Uh, they're still in sort of, um, I guess, pilot phase, still trying to prove the technology, get supply agreements, et cetera, put in place. So it's got potential. There's a lot of these companies that have come and gone in the past that have great technology, uh, even you know, great sort of uh, material technology that uh, is better than cotton, less water consumption, et cetera. But they just kind of languish. It's, mm. it's hard work. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, what do you think? And, and do these companies, when they tow, obviously they list for a reason to raise capital, I suppose. And whoop, over here. Uh, there we go. Uh, to raise capital and, <laughs> and <laughs> things like that. It's my disappearing. Whoa, I go, I'm a magician. Um, uh, to raise capital. But because it's so tightly held, is the next step they've got to raise more capital and just make sure it's not held by the major shareholders to build in that liquidity. How do they get over the hump and, and make it attractive investment-wise? Yeah, it's a really good question, Koshi. And I mean, you, you know, at the high end or the upper end of the market, WiseTick is another example. Yeah. You know, one of the main reasons WiseTick floated wasn't necessarily because they needed capital. It was because uh, Richard White uh, has so many shares and he's basically trying to sort of almost a succession plan mm. and uh, making sure that he's creating, creating incentive for his employees to become long-term shareholders. So, and I mean... We've said this many times, Henry and I both worked at Macquarie. Uh, Macquarie were excellent in, con in having um, employee shareholder plans, um, all that sort of stuff, because if you can have engaged employees who are sharing in the success of the business, so you know you're going to have a successful business. So I, so I get the, the compliance listing, I get all that, but you know in the context of how do you take it to the next level, to Henry's point, there are some catalysts this year, that relationship that they've got with Grassum, that big uh, Indian company, that's certainly a positive. Uh, the fact that they're about to start signing some contracts for trials of uh, the material that they're making, that's a positive. But, I mean, we've got to remember the revenue in for this company is zero. Yeah. Not a cracker. So you really are buying on a hope and a prayer. And so if you're in hope and a prayer mode, there's twenty thousand dollars a day traded. It's a bit better than what we were talking about previously at two thousand, but it's still only twenty grand a day. So until we actually see uh, how these trials go, we get a bit more liquidity there. Interesting story. Ticks the ESG box, but it's a hold. Okay. All right. Gosh, if, if I may, I'm, yeah, I yeah. guess one of the, the ways uh, that these sorts of companies, because th this hasn't got a massive concentration in one hand. This is sort of lots of 5% spread across a bunch of people. Um, so that's obviously not the issue where you've got 70% held by one person. One of the ways that these guys can do it, obviously, is by proving up the concept and by getting the trials and, and getting the agreements in place, which is good. But it's also about getting out there and informing the investment community and doing uh, PR and investor relations and all that sort of stuff. And obviously, this is starting to happen as they get more confident in the products and they get more deals under their belt. But this is really what these small cap guys have to do across the board, whether it's um, uh, Nanoluz or, or any other company, uh, that you have to get the word out there because 
Uh, otherwise, there's you know, two and a half, three thousand shares on the exchange to choose from. Why choose NCS, uh, NC6 rather uh, than anything else? So yeah. it is all about investor relations, spreading the word, getting some traction in the media, um, getting some liquidity going. Um, but it does tend to be sporadic. But um, and also, you know, you've got to treat your shareholders well because you can't just pump it and then raise money and walk away again and, and repeat yeah. and recycle in six months time. So yeah, yeah. It, it's a slow process, I think, is the answer. But it does require uh, work from the company to increase that liquidity by fair means to yeah. uh, to get, get it traded out more. Classic small business issue. You don't get caught up in the day to day, you know, get on top of the big picture and, and get out there and spruik yourself. Uh, it's important. Yeah. All right, let's uh, recap the first uh, five stock stock of the day, Fisher and Paykel, um, a hold and a watch from uh, from Andrew. Um, Henry's not interested at all and would be a sell from him. Uh, ASX a hold from both. Um, the um, um, Australian um, selection um, dividend ETF, um, yes, the ETF whisperer Andrew says it's a pretty reasonable one, but highly concentrated. VHY would be uh, an alternative in his view, a hold from Henry on it. Coscoll, a no from Henry, a hold from Andrew, and Nanolos, the same, a no from Henry and a hold from Andrew. Um, our new portfolio, the uh, the Calls Fantasy portfolio, is uh, live at the moment. You can catch up with the first investment committee meeting, which is available online for you to watch how our experts pick the stocks that made it into the Calls High Conviction Fund. Uh, if we take a look at the portfolio, now there's an equal allocation of BHP, Macquarie, MinRes, Steadfast Group, Aristocrat Leisure, Ordinate, CSL, NextDC and Universal Store. Uh, then half units in Qantas and Frontier Digital Ventures, 20% in cash. And uh, every month the committee will meet to assess the buys, the holds and the sells, as discussed right here on the call to uh, keep the folio updated. In fact, Next DC with uh, Howard and Scott yesterday both got a no from them, considering it's in the portfolio. That sell recommendation will go to the committee to see if they want to sell out of Next DC or keep it for uh, strategic portfolio purposes. Um, and also today, Novanix will go up to the investment committee of which Henry Jones is on the committee. Um, Henry Jennings, rather, from uh, Marcus today. So he will be pondering and trying to convince the rest of the committee whether Novanix should go into it. So keep sending your requests and uh, keep the call switched on every day to see which stocks our committee will be looking into in the next month. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, let's get into the uh, the next five stocks, and we're going to be taking a look at Rediscore Resources in this half hour, Pan Asia Metals, uh, the Van Eck MSCI International Quality ETF, Qual, 
which I think the Whisperer talks about um, a lot here on uh, on the call. Uh, the Intelligent Investor Ethical Share Fund and ProMedicus rounds out this half hour. Let's get into the first one. And Ben wants a view on Renascore. Um, um, Henry, they're developing the is it the Sibwa graphite project, um, which is uh, graphite, copper, gold, and other uh, minerals within South Australia. Um, this is a stock that's had a phenomenal rise over the last year or so. Uh, are you going to boast about it? Will you want it? No. No, no, no boasting from me. I think I, I think I did recommend it um, some time ago, but uh, no, no boasting from me on this one. I haven't been on this one. I have been on others that have done pretty well, but not this one, I'm afraid, Koshi. Yeah. Um, as far as this one goes, purified spherical graphite, PSG, is what they're looking for at the Sivior uh, project in South Australia. Now, they've just got some loan approvals from the Australian government because we have seen Scotty from marketing out and about, and he has been promoting and backing some of our critical metals companies. We saw a big splash in uh, WA uh, when he was over there a week or so ago. And uh, similarly, they've got a $185 million conditional loan approval from the Australian government. This is going to be one of the world's lowest cost produ producers of this uh, PSG, the purified spherical graphite. Um, and they're aiming to become sustainable as well. So that's mm. all good. All big ticks in the box. The only problem is... It's 32 cents. It's had a massive run. And I, I think it may be in line for a little bit of consolidation. We have seen, you know, as confidence has returned to our market and we've seen that the index bounce strongly in the US, I think we've got five out of six days up in the US. We have seen confidence return, and especially in the lithium space. And you could argue that uh, the lithium space is being driven, I think it's being driven by two things at the moment, is the oil price. Uh, as the oil goes up, our desire to find alternatives to filling our cars up with petrol, expensive petrol, increases. So that increases our desire for electric vehicles. And the other thing is the resurgence, I guess, of Tesla, which uh, is always kind of a barometer for confidence in the lithium space. It's remarkable the number of times you see if Tesla goes up, the lithium stocks will go up. There seems to be some mm -hmm. connection. If, if, the, if a lithium company does a deal with Tesla, it's like being anointed from on high. It's like <laughs> God coming down into it amongst his people and, uh, and anointing us uh, that uh, Tesla has deemed worthy, that uh, the company is worthy. So I, I think this one for me is just run a little bit too hard. Right. I'd love to see it back towards 24, 25 cents again for another go. But uh, it certainly is quality. Uh, government backing helps, low-cost producer, uh, right place, right time, etc., etc. South Australia. We also have a change of government in South Australia as well. So that will be interesting to see how that plays out uh, with uh, the mineral companies in South Australia. So for me, maybe just run a little hard, a little too hot at the moment. 25, 26 cents, love to get in there. Okay. Um, missed it the first time around. So yeah, it's probably a hold for the long term, guys. Uh, and a sell for the short-term traders looking for an entry around 25, 26 cents. Okay, Andrew? My my learned friend uh, would of course remember the 21st of November last year where he and I were on the call and uh, this is actually one that came up then and oh. I'm pretty sure that uh, we suggested this might be one to have a close look at 
and uh, the share price has just gone ballistic since, not because of our uh, kind words, but uh, certainly I'm sure it didn't hurt. Uh, I tend to agree. I think sort of at these levels, it's probably looking a little frothy. So it's certainly a hold. as a for a chart? Uh, it's certainly looking, uh, it's certainly a hold. Um, and I agree. I think around that 25 is probably around where the, the buy target is. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I can really add much okay. more from what Henry was saying. That 16 million in cash is, is great. Um, but yeah, 32, 33, it's probably a bit exy run, here. Run a bit far. All right, um, Andrew Ken wants a view on Pan Asia Metals, another uh, minerals explorer and development company. Tungsten lithium projects located in um, in southern Thailand. Um, Ken says my understanding is that it's waiting for external confirmation of its resource holding, and if confirmed, is likely to be re-rated upwards. Is my thinking on this correct? Ken asks. So now that Henry has you now calling me the whisperer, you've got a lot to answer for, Henry. You have a lot to answer for. Uh, I'm going to very briefly speak to this one because I know there's a couple more ETFs coming. Uh, yep. But my, my take on PAM is that where it's located, it's got really good uh, geographic exposure to Asian auto manufacturers, which will be a big benefit to them. But I know Henry is all across Pam, so if I can hand it across to him, mm. I allow him to uh, give us pearls of wisdom. All right. So give us your pearls, Henry. Was that a hospital pass? <laughs> yep. From the whisperer. <laughs> but from very the eloquent. Whisperer. <laughs> a very eloquent hospital pass from the Whisperer. Um, I, I don't know if I'm all across this one. It's uh, as Andrew says. It's uh, it's looking at lithium projects in Southeast Asia in Thailand. The problem I have with Thailand is I, I keep thinking back to Kingsgate, and Kingsgate was a gold miner with the Chartery project in Thailand, doing very nicely mining gold, and then ran into some issues, and basically the government confiscated. The project and they've been in court ever since for uh, compensation and now they're back mining it etc so uh, there's some sovereign risk there with thailand which sort of sticks at the back of my mind now i've no doubt that this one uh, is in the right commodity it's certainly as andrew rightly points out it's got uh, that connection into southeast asian car manufacturers which is good it could be the only uh, lithium hydroxide uh, producer in Southeast Asia, if all comes to fruition, it's still got a ways to go. And with all these mining companies, all these explorers, whatever the commodity, there are certain milestones uh, that which create a re-rating. And, and, and this one, I guess, is pregnant with that milestone that could have a re-rating. I know it's up six and a half percent today. So clearly, the punters like this one. It's fifty-eight cents. Seventy has been its sort of high. Uh, it could easily pop to that kind of price. But I'd be I'd be kind of selling into strength on this one. They're going to need money. Everyone always mm -hmm. does with mining. There is that sovereign risk for me, which, you know, if, if you're going to play the lithium game, the lithium exploring game, there are other areas that have more certainty, I guess, from uh, from being confiscated by a, a government that changes at the, the barrel of a rifle sometimes in Thailand. So I, I could be wrong, but this could pop to 70, but I'd be probably selling there. So... At the moment, I guess it's, it's a speculative buy, but oh. um, yeah, it's still got a long way to go, but there is a, it is pregnant with a re-rating uh, if they can confirm. I'm not even going to well. try I'm not even going to try and pronounce their uh, project, but at least they own 100% of it 
okay. and um, they've got they've got some skill in the game there as well. All right. So hang on. You've you've gone from saying take profits and sell into the rebound to a speculative no. buy. No, I said take profits at seventy. Oh, take profits at seventy. Okay. So they're fifty-eight cents now. So they're a speculative buy at fifty-eight cents. My target would be seventy, which was the previous high. And if they got there, I'd be taking profits uh, because it's, okay. I guess, a little bit likely. So that this they is could a raise trading cash. stock, so basically. This is a, all. All these stocks at the moment are trading stocks. But as as I talked about, Koshi, about you know the Tesla is the barometer of confidence yeah. for lithium stocks. Okay. Uh, this is a lithium wannabe in a jurisdiction which has its issues. But certainly, it is—it's um, got some unique qualities in terms of geographical proximity to car manufacturers in Asia, which does make it attractive. Okay. All right, okay, Andrew, you're a ditto on that, yes? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I need a little button or something um, rather than. Uh, can I please say? Um, there's an excellent newsletter that I'm not sure people are aware of. I, I won't mention it now, but. Uh, the, the, uh, the one of the uh, author, one of the contributors on there spoke about this company being the Thai version of Vulcan. Ah, so that might ah. give it a bit of colour as well. Anyway, um, sorry, I just thought I'd throw okay. That in well, there. that's pretty good. So you'd say it's a spec buy as well. Yeah, I, I agree. These all these companies, they they, they are just trade. They're just trades. Yep. Okay. And uh, everyone's sort of somewhat loving tech again and loving Elon. So when that trade yeah. is on, then you jump on these little minnows. And the moment it stops, yep. you're out. Get out. All right. Uh, okay, another one to the Whisperer. Now a, uh, a view from a viewer on MSCI or the Vanek International Quality ETF, Qual. Uh, Andrew, you own some of uh, Qual in your portfolio, don't you? One or two. Right, yeah, sure. Well, I, I was amazed last week. Scott Phillips from Motley Fool was uh, posting that Berkshire Hathaway shares had got to $500,000 a share. And he said, I've got to declare I own a couple. And I thought, whoa, <laughs> wow. a couple of 500. And then, and then he sort of made a uh, correction a bit later saying um, in the B series. Which was three hundred dollars, and I thought, oh, okay. That was going to be my question, Koshi. He can take me to lunch. Yeah, buy me a house. And and I, and I bet he bought the shares only so they could go to Omaha to the shareholders meeting and touch, (laughs) touch the man himself and play the ukulele with him. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, Scott. I'm I'm sure there are other reasons, but that, that would be mine. Okay, Andrew, what do you think of Qual? Yeah, so I like Qual, but um, the question also, if I'm reading it correctly, Koshi also talks about VVLU. Oh, and, that's right. Uh, is, is it a hedge against his beloved Qual? <laughs> beloved Qual. Now, I'm just, and I note that this question does not actually have a name of the people. Um, I'm just wondering whether that's, in fact, Henry has slipped that one in here. <laughs> We can't use Henry's name to protect the innocent. Um, anyway, uh, well, look, very quickly, I've banged on about Qual lots. It buys quality businesses, 296 of them, high return on equity, uh, low to falling debt, steady to increasing revenue. It's a great ETF, obviously been under a little bit of pressure the last couple of months because it's about 39% tech. And that's obviously not super helpful for it, given what's been happening with technology companies. The what the average um, holding within this ETF is seven hundred and thirty billion dollars per company, 
and the average PE is 22 times. All right, it's important we remember those numbers because the next one we're going to talk about, of course, um, is VVLU. So just as we just spoke about quality, the next one, VVLU, actually talks about value. So these are examples of factors, factors are determinants of share price performance. There's a whole lot of different factors, momentum, yield, etc. But the question specifically talks to quality and it talks to value. So my preferred quality ETF is QUAL. And I don't mind if you want value. So what's value? So value is basically buying something cheaply. Is it a low PE? Is it low price to book? Is it low price to operating cash flow? Yep. So again, using those same sort of metrics that we were looking at before, VVLU, the average market cap, $13 billion, so not 730 like qual, 13. And the average PE is nine times, not oh, 22 times. Right. So to the, to the author's question, yeah, they could be a good hedge against each other because if everyone's loving qual, loving quality, therefore they're probably liking growth, value is going to be on the nose or vice versa, like what we've just gone through. Values had a huge take up because everyone's going, the growth in tech is over. Mm. In VVLU, tech is only 6%. So remember I said in qual it's 39%. Yeah. Yeah. Here, it's 6 can I throw one more at you, which is probably actually a good one to think about, VGMF. So it's a multi-factor ETF and it has quality, it has value, and it has momentum as its three factors in there. So if, in other words, instead of owning Qual and VGMF, why not maybe have VGMF in there? Okay. So VVLU is a hedge against your beloved Qual. So that's quite right from, um, from our viewers. So, Either, either there or if you want a combination of both. VVGE, uh, was it? VGMF. That's it. Got it in one. Um, Henry? Henry? Um, you know, well, get a toss. I was lucky. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> You're absolutely right there, Cosh. Nailed it. Um, uh, having said that, in all seriousness, I, I, I put together a, um, a ETF portfolio back in November last year with Andrew's very wise help and his wisdom. And Qual was a, was a big part of that. Um, I couldn't have probably chosen a worse time to launch uh, ETFs based on uh, a lot of US and technology stocks and even value stocks or growth, stocks, whatever it was, it's just all gone down ever since. So it hasn't been a particularly wonderful experience. But what it did highlight to me is these things are massively complicated. There's so many yep. moving parts and cogs and wheels uh, and different kind of takes on it. It is actually a full-time gig. All you need to be an ETF whisperer like Andrew is to get your head around these. I, I know lots of people have invested in ETFs. I know it's, you know it's a great way to get instant exposure to food, drugs, cyber, whatever you want to, uh, to get exposure to. But again, it goes back to knowing what you're buying and uh, drilling down. The Qual is the one ETF to rule them all, as Andrew will attest to and tell you about. Uh, it is my precious. It is the, the ring of uh, ETFs. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it is still all about timing. And my timing buying uh, a big slug of Qual and a bunch of other ETFs that were pretty U.S. focused. And I had, you know, when you looked at it and you did the Venn diagram thing, as Andrew will attest to, because we talked about this, um, 
NVIDIA was a was seemed to be at the heart of it was you know the heart of every ETF and that's that's been absolutely trashed so that that really hurts okay. so we're not infallible timing is everything qual is good everything else to me just it's just so complicated okay all right I love the it's supposed uh, to be simple uh, the Lord of the Rings um, tout to it as well. Um, uh, Whisperer, um, intelligent investor, ethical share fund. Uh, viewer says, uh, seems to be well placed, grown nearly 20% since launch. Been affected by recent sell-off, but uptick in the share price. Now is it a time to buy management fee 0.97%, which seems a, seems a bit high for um, some of the ones that you um, benchmarked in the past. Uh, I'm a current happy holder. What do you think of uh, the ethical share fund? So I know we've only got a very short period of yep. time, but we thank you for that affirmation. Um, a lot of the ones we've been talking about are passive or rules-based. There's not a lot of human interaction or there is initially with the rules. This is actively managed. This is guys and girls making decisions on which ones they like and don't like. Interestingly, Koshi, this one is 30% cash. So if I was being difficult, which is hard for me to do, but let's just pretend I was being difficult, why am I paying a 0.97% management fee for a ETF holding 30% cash? Uh, and that isn't a bit I'm out on this one. I, I mean, I like the holdings. It's got things like Frontier, which of course is in the uh, the portfolio, FDV, yeah. uh, the, the calls portfolio. Uh, it's got Unity in there, uh, Auckland Airports, Pinnacle Lendlease, you know, I like the companies, but I'm not going to pay 97 basis points for something holding 30% cash, and they can hold up to 50% cash. Mm. So okay. I'm out. All right. Henry? Um, I'll keep it brief. I mean, there's nothing wrong with this one at all. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit with Andrew on this, I have to say. Yeah. Um, it, okay. It's had a tough time recently. It's bouncing back as equity markets has. Did well with Unity, uh, with the uh, the takeover there and what's happening there. So that that's a plus. But I'm not sure about Len Lease and not sure about um, some of the others. So okay. not for me. Hold, uh, final stock. Connor wants to view uh, Henry on ProMedicus, the big health imaging uh, provider across uh, hospitals here in Australia, North America, and Europe. Um, has been a bit of a star over the last two years. Uh, it has and, until pretty recently when it when it mm. fell into a big hole. Uh, there, there just seems to be, and I could be wrong on this, but there does seem to be quite an awful lot of competition in the medical imaging business. Everyone seems to have a new way of doing it, whether it's 4DX, or they, they've got a lung imaging business. Um, I recently went out to see uh, EMV, EM Vision out at, um, at North Ride, uh, talking to them about their sort of their imaging business that they have. Promedicus, very much stuck in a range, can't get excited about it as yet. There's still COVID around, holding things back a little bit. I think it's stuck in the sort of 44 to $48 range, heading towards the top of that range. If it busted out, then it could push higher again. But uh, for me, this mm. is a hold at best. Okay, Andrew? I like it, 45% ROE, 40% profit margin, but I'm not going to pay 110 times earnings for 40% forecast EPS growth. It's a hold. Okay. All right. Gentlemen, always great to catch up. Whisperer, thank you kindly. Um, see you at the Empire Theatre when we get up there with the popcorn <laughs> in Toowoomba. Looking forward to seeing you and Libby here soon. Yeah, and Henry Jennings from Marcus today. I'll see you on the Northern Beaches. Have a drink, drink Thanks, at Kelsey. the Newport. All right, guys, thank you for that. 
let's uh, recap the final five stocks. Uh, Renaissance hold uh, from both. Um, and um, if it got down to around that 24 cent mark, um, uh, Henry would certainly be interested. Uh, Pan Asia, a speculative buy. Um, uh, if it got up to 70, 70 cents, uh, Henry would take some profits at that stage. Um, also, the uh, qual, a yes from both of them. Henry says it's the ring, it's the precious of uh, ETF. Um, the um, intelligent investor ethical fund, a no from both because of the uh, high management fee when 30% of the ETF is in cash, it's meant to be actively managed, uh, and ProMedicus a hold from both. Uh, if you have any stocks you'd like our panel to take a look at, email them into me, thecall at ausbiz.com.au, or tweet us using the at TV handle. You can check out all the stocks in the calls, high conviction fantasy portfolio, head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. <laughs> we